0: Koto, welcome to the panel, RNZ National. Uh, Ruth Money, Victims Advocate, and Russell Brown, publisher of uh, public address and journalist with me today. Uh, now, a quick Friday afternoon traffic update to start. In Auckland, there are delays on the northern motorway southbound following a crash near the Sunny Nook Road overbridge. Wellington, uh, the main routes are flowing well so far, but there is a strong wind warning on the Rimataka Hills. So do take care if you are heading that way. Uh, uh, just some text for you as well, Ruth. Thank you for letting me know about these family violence statistics. Uh, we have uh, a terrible violent people, some, some terrible violence in this country. Good on you for talking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, another you. one here. These family violence stats bring me to tears, and I had no idea, and I thought I was well informed. And um, the one and only actor Joel Tobik, uh, writes, And I used to walk home along K Road every night after work at about midnight when I worked at the Mercury Theatre as an usher. It was a little rough around the edges, but I always felt safe. And that's actually quite true, isn't Russell? There, there is. Uh, I'm on uh, K Road quite a bit as well, but uh, I,
1: I feel, I feel safe. I mean, it might not be everyone's experience, but yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it can seem intimidating, <laughs> but I, I, I feel much, much safer on K Road than I would say down the bottom of town. Yeah. Um, I don't know what's going on down there. (laughs) Whereas K Road, I kind of know where I am. Mm. On the programme now, to first up, there are no new
0: cases of COVID-19 in the community today and no signs of the virus in wastewater testing in the Wellington region. Wellington is now on day two of alert level two, which will last until at least 11.59pm Sunday. There is high demand at testing centres in the capital and more than 10,000 tests were processed across the country yesterday. Cabinet is set to meet on Sunday morning to assess the latest evidence and consider alert level changes. And it is still unclear whether the Sydney man has the Delta variant of COVID-19. This afternoon, the Ministry of Health has announced the details of a COVID-19 vaccination online booking tool and how it will work. The tool will be live from the twenty eighth of july and with us now to discuss is Leslie Gray, Senior Lecturer in the Department of Primary Healthcare and General Practice at the University of Otago. Leslie Kyoto, welcome to the programme. I understand you're currently in managed Isolation in Christchurch, are you? Leslie, are you there? No, nope, she's, not, she's, not, she's not there. So we're going to be talking about the, uh, the bookings. I, I actually just wanted to pick up uh, this question, actually, of mask wearing. That really sort of um, surprised mm. me. In, uh, it, Honestly, was it, was uh, it Wellington?
2: It was Wellington uh, I, I, on Friday. I'd, I'd just
0: like to sort of um, get um, the Wellington Tony's response on that. What are you seeing? Uh, now it's, you know, you, you've got to wear your mask. But uh, mm. is, is there a bit of a culture of complacency both around scanning uh, and, and indeed mask wearing? What are you seeing?
2: Yeah, I was yeah. there with a survivor. We were doing some parole stuff, and um, she was from Christchurch. She scanned some of the times. Um, I scanned religiously, uh, and I honestly, we went into cafes, we went up to the parole board, we went and had lunch, and mm. I was the only one that I could see scanning.
0: Okay, all right. Now, uh, Leslie, I think, is with us. Leslie Gray, kia ora. <laughs> uh, currently from Managed Isolation in Otatahi, is that right?
3: That is correct, yes.
0: (laughs) Now, so um, to the news this afternoon, would you say that this is reassuring? No new cases and no virus detected in wastewater testing?
3: Yes, so far this is good news. I mean, we've just got to take it as a good news story so far. It is still early days and we do just have to wait for results coming in in the next few days.
0: There were 10,000 tests across the country yesterday does that seem like a good amount of testing or might that or should that actually be
3: higher Well it is a good amount of testing um it's still early days uh it's very early days to be picking up positives uh if people were only potentially infected on say Sunday um but now we're getting to the point where people that are being tested if they develop any symptoms they should be staying home anyway um, great news that the close contacts came back negative with early negatives. Uh, mm. It's still a wait and see.
0: Can I just jump into the latest details? This is the uh, the online booking system. So that was uh, announced this late this afternoon, 2pm, and they went through, showed it how it worked. What do you think about the details of this new online booking tool for COVID-19 vaccinations, Leslie?
3: Yes, so it seems like a scheduling tool. So I presume that come the 28th of July, it will only allow early appointment times for the age groups. Um, So 60 years and over come first, then from August 11th, people aged 55 years and over and so on. So I suspect it will be an electronic means of opening up booking slots so that people can book ahead, possibly well ahead and know when their vaccinations are going to be done.
0: Yeah, I'm also seeing that uh, you've got got an email or text that'll confirm the booking, and if you need to change, you can do that. You can click it. It all seems pretty simple. I saw the live um, uh, uh, view of it, and there'll be reminder notices sent out to people the day before. So I guess that's quite a good thing. Ruth, do you have a question or a comment for Lesley? Yeah, uh,
2: look, I think it's a... It's well overdue, Um, so it's a good system. However, with all of these, I really worry about vulnerable communities. You know, I think about my Mm. mum on the internet. I think about other um, communities and and older people who... This is really confusing. (laughs) It's really confusing. There is no
3: 800 number. Yeah. Okay, so then, you, oh.
0: there is a there is a number to call there, so maybe that yeah. might be uh, yes, uh, Russell.
1: Yeah. Um, <clears throat> if this is the system they've spent all the money on, it's an, an adapted customer relations management system, um, and if it's been done well, it should be an absolute intuitive breeze to use. And it's a, the reports so far sound pretty good. So you've just got to hope it's it's like some really good, you know, hope it's Amazon and not Ticketek, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um I I I mean I I've been pretty patient with the supply issues, but I, I do think the, there's been a communication gap in explaining to people what they can expect to happen. And one would think uh, that gap will be filled now. I certainly Can I make a comment on, on that, Leslie?
3: yeah i would hope so at least it's going to be a national system it should bring things together so far people in groups one two or three have been reliant on a local district health board type setup so the arrangements have been different across the different regions so this should standardize it but i agree with ruth uh, my own family parents elderly folks um, not really that it savvy some of them some of them are awesome um, don't have email, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, so they're going to rely on that 0800 number.
0: Mm. Yeah, and, and Let's actually, just
3: the, hope it's resourced. Yes,
0: that's well, that's mm. true. And I think that well, that is the point, isn't it? And um, we're going to be talking. This ties into later. We're going to be talking about um, uh, actually the lack of computers in homes. Actually, so that's another topic. But um, I understand that people should wait until they're invited. That's how it works, Leslie.
3: So at the moment, um, for groups one, two and three, it's wait until you're invited. What I've been trying to do this afternoon is see how the book my vaccine will work. And it yeah. just seems that it will go live from 28th of July. But bet- depending on your age group, you might not be able to book a time slot until we're at your age group. Mm hmm
2: i didn't quite understand the logic in that because they don't know how old i am until i put in my date of birth
3: so i was interested in the technical side of that the practicalities yeah Yeah, apparently there's going to be some mass transfer of um, district health board type data held by the dhb system so presumably if they get our name and details um, the system will be able to crunch the numbers and I'm um, sure
0: there'll be more news in this
3: front.
1: Uh, fun... Leslie, I, I did hear you mention groups one, two, and three. I, I was wondering what had happened to those, to the numbered groups, because we don't seem to be talking about those anymore. It's now it's an age band.
3: Yeah, so from the 28th of July, we're moving to age bands. Um, up until then, it's been groups one, two and three. So the age bands is anybody that's not at um, significant risk of, of um, problems resulting from their own health conditions uh, from COVID. So that's group three at the moment. So if you if you're not in group one, two or three, everybody else, group four, and also people who've missed out from groups one, two or three, Um, that's the system live from 28th of July.
1: Right, because I am in group three, hypertension. Um, And no one's been able to tell me exactly what's going on. Not good for hypertension, is
0: it? You should maybe do a blog about it. I might have mentioned it on Twitter. (laughs) Right, okay. Hey, (laughs) hey, finally, while you have you here, Leslie, there has been a lot of mention, hasn't there, about um, whether or not this current COVID scare shows that New Zealand has become a... But complacent. There's now become increasing talk around what we need to do, particularly around masks and whether we need to sort of um, uh, bring ourselves up to par alongside other countries. You know, I guess I'm mm. saying, should we be normalising masks a bit more than we already are?
3: Yeah, so I just wrote a piece around complacency with some colleagues, uh, Matt Hobbs and Malcolm, um, the other day talking about complacency. Um, I've just got back from the UK um, mask wearing when you enter shops when you when you go to restaurants once you're seated at your table you can take mask off but in in shops whether they stand alone or inside malls everybody's popping the mask on before they go in um so it's okay in outdoor environments not so much indoors we really should be adopting this for mm. now especially while we do still have the potential to have an unexpected outbreak and the the whole thing about scanning yes Ruth, we absolutely have become very complacent, and I think we all need to up the ante here and keep it up.
0: That's that's something that we might come back to. Uh, this certainly will be news in the, the next few weeks, I'm sure, but for now, uh, Leslie Gray, Senior Lecturer at the Department of Primary Health Care and
1: General Practice, uh, thank you for your time. Uh, OK, Wallace, I yeah, pop in, pop pop in with a the recommendation? There's a great story on uh, stuff today by Keith Lynch <coughs> explaining our numbers, which are the... the, the in- infection measure um, and also the fact that only about 1 in 10 people infected with COVID is a major shedder. So eight, I think something like 80% of infection is done by 10% of the people infected. Um, so people have been saying, oh, how lucky is Wellington so far? Well, it, it, it's, it's lucky, but it's not lucky in the sense of winning lotto. It's lucky in the sense of Russian roulette. Mm. OK. Now, interestingly, some varied responses here. I'm
0: 67 and have other health issues. On Monday, I rang the local 0800 number, left two phone numbers, and my name. It's Friday now. No sign of this, this promised callback.
2: Hence my message Says, yes, about that's can right. we make sure we resource this, please. Uh, and
0: mm. another one here is uh, from a GP. And I've just, because a few emails come in, I've just lost it. We'll come back to it because there's been some interesting sort of feedback uh, on this uh, panel, could a computer savvy family member perhaps book in a relative? Uh, that's another good question. Uh, that's from Karen there. Uh, for this, uh, for now though, um, another big news this morning hate speech will become a criminal offence, and anyone convicted could face harsher punishment under proposed legislative changes. This morning, the government released for public consultation its long awaited plan for the laws governing hate speech. The plan is Part of the government's work to strengthen social cohesion in response to the Royal Commission of Inquiry into the Christchurch terror attack. Protecting free speech and protecting people from hate speech will require careful consideration in a wide range of input, Minister Farfoy said. Now, the punishment for hate speech offences could also increase from up to three months' imprisonment or a fine of up to $7,000 dollars to up to three years in jail or a fine of up to fifty K. So to discuss, distinguished Professor Paul Spoonley, who's the Pro Vice Chancellor of the College of Humanities and Social Sciences at Massey University. Professor Spoonley, kia ora.
4: Kia Well, uh, Wallace, I'm no longer Pro Vice Chancellor. Oh well.
0: Okay. Update. <laughs> nice. Well anyway, nice <laughs> yes, to have you, you here, Paul. Look thank so you. the so the government is considering creating a new clearer hate speech offence in the Crimes Act, removing it from the Human Rights Act, what will this mean?
4: Well, this is the result of the Royal Commission recommendations. They think the current provisions under the Human Rights Act, which is nearly 30 years old now, are unclear, but they also don't cover the groups that need to be covered. And so what what you see is this movement from the Human Rights Act to uh, the Crimes Act, as you say, there are are increased penalties, although I don't think that's the major issue as far as I'm concerned. I think it's more important that we have a much clearer legislative um, statement about what's acceptable and what's not acceptable, and we have a clear process. And do you think that this provides that clarity? Yes, I think it does. But I would uh, invite anybody to look at the Ministry of Justice uh, paper on this. It's a very good paper. You've got until the sixth of August to provide your views, hmm. and of course, I think what we're seeing already today is that it is hugely divisive, and I think it's unfortunately going to be politicised and reduced to to sort of simple free speech versus hate speech um, type debates. Ah, uh,
0: right. Okay. Well, I know that our panelists have thoughts on this. Ruth, money, do you want to start?
4: Oh, hi, Professor.
2: Um, yeah, look, I, absolutely, we need to send a very clear message. I totally agree with you around the religious racism and incitement as well as um, disability. I like the fact that this is about social cohesion. So, um, you know, in my work, I see a lot of uh, bullying and harm to um, sexual orientation, for example, or disability communities. Um, I I just think this is, again, very... It's the wheels of bureaucratic uh, slowness. The Royal um, Commission report came out in December. We're now in June, where we've got a a public submission process. We've then got to draft something. Then there'll be a select committee process. I mean, surely, to goodness, this could have been expedited.
4: Yes, it could have. Um, I agree with you entirely, Ruth. Uh, it, it, by the way, this paper is on time. It was uh, scheduled for June this year. So I, there shouldn't be any surprise that it is out now. But can we get it to the point uh, that we've got some clarity faster? Absolutely. But the, the thing, Ruth, is that it's going to get into an enormous fight, a uh, political fight around this. There are right. groups already beginning to assemble and to oppose this uh, legislation.
2: Mm, the sooner we started that, the better then, eh?
3: Yes.
1: <laughs> but Paul, do we have an idea of how high the bar is going to be for incitement to discriminate? I, I, I wonder whether the, knowing that might actually soothe some of the qualms of people who aren't quite sure what the law is going to do.
4: Yeah, Russell, it, it's a it's a good point. I mean, I would point out that this provision under the current Act and previous Acts, there's only been one successful prosecution, and that was 1977. there have been two civil cases, and neither of those have. Um, been able to achieve an outcome. So you might remember the uh, Louisa Walls versus Fairfax, which the judge said the cartoon was uh, offensive, but it didn't breach the incitement to hatred requirement. And I think we've just got to have trust in our police in the first case to prosecute and our courts then to decide. I think the severity threshold is such that we're not going to get many um, successful prosecutions on this. It's really a statement about you know, our intent to avoid the sort of hate that we've seen. And if I could just end by saying last week we had a, a hui in Christchurch, which was a follow-up to the Royal Commission. Yeah. The, the, the testimony from the Muslim community about the hate they continue to receive is something that we should all hear and understand what that means for that community.
0: Mm. Uh, just, just, uh, just on a final note, Paul, because uh, I, I was reading an interesting uh, piece by or was quoted um, uh, Dean of Law, Ursula Chair from Canterbury University, who said, look, while it may seem unpleasant and counterintuitive, people have to be free to hate if they wish, quoting, if we think we can legislate hatred out of existence, it's a hopeless expectation. You have that connection between speech and thought and people are very protective of their thoughts. What do you reckon?
4: Yes, I, I agree with Ursula about this um, in terms the, – the, the paper talks about free speech is protected, but subject to what they call reasonable or justifiable limits. Mm. Those limits already exist. So, um, you know, in that sense, it's not new. But then I think we also need – in following up the Royal Commission's comments about this, we need to make a very clear statement about hate speech in this country – we can't, we can't keep avoiding it and saying free speech uh, allows people to keep saying what they're saying. Um, I don't think that's acceptable, and I don't think it contributes to social cohesion.
0: All right. Professor Paul Sperney, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Mm. What do you think about what he said there? Is, is, does, is, he, is he right?
1: Um, I do tend to agree with him. you any more
0: what defines hate? As in, is there's, there's no
1: universally accepted de- definition of hate speech? My feeling is that that's going to become clearer if and when there are cases ah. taken. Um, but because, and, and Paul's right. The, the, the Royal Commission did basically find that the existing way we deal with this isn't fit for purpose.
2: It certainly isn't. And, you know, I deal with this with even the Harmful Digital Communications Act. That is a ridiculous, in my opinion, piece of legislation that is really, was pulled together really quickly with not much thought. Um, And it doesn't have teeth. It can have civil, it can have criminal, no one really knows what's happening. And I'm just, I'm fearful that this is going to happen here. I, I feel like There should have been more of a draft defining these levels and then people could have submitted rather than... um, It it is a very good document from the Ministry of Justice, but it's really loose and it's so far down the track. Meanwhile, every day, people from these communications communities are being harmed and i just you know mm-hmm. i can kind of see Huey for hooey's sake rather than actually right. some action
0: um you're on the panel uh it's national ruth money russell brown uh, with me uh, this afternoon uh, here's the one i was looking for i'm a gp in christchurch none of my patients over 65 or in vulnerable groups have been offered vaccinations yet
4: same with
2: my mother she's in christchurch and she's the, over 65 okay There you
0: go. All right. Uh, Look, dipping into the Friday mailbag, and this is where we sort of collect some of the um, feedback uh, across the week, uh, and we might try and come back to it because we had a lot this week, and we talked about supporting your local libraries today, and we got a big response. Why can I library? A great little one set up in the middle of the village offering almost a personal living room in a public space. I use it frequently. Staff make you feel very welcome. I really need a shout out as they had to relocate a year ago and kept our village service intact. Also use the link to free movies when back at home using Beam a Film, says Bruce. And Robert says there are three... Wonderful, small, small, cute libraries on the Otago Peninsula at Portobello, Pukahiki, and Macandrew Bay. And growing up, I was lucky enough to live in Whanganui with its old, large library building located with the Sargent Art Gallery, Regional Museum and War Memorial. Amazing facilities for what it was. and still is a small city. Around the panel, is there a, a library that's captured your heart over the years? It might be, Russell, uh, as a kid, now, when you do some research or oh, go around Absolutely. Relax for a well,
1: box. as a kid, absolutely. The, <clears throat> the Fendleton Public Library in Christchurch was our nearest proper library. And you grew up in Christchurch? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, mostly. Uh, and I. The Fendleton Library? Yeah, and I, and I kind of read everything I wanted to read you know, upstairs in the kids' department. And then I started reading the adult books, and you know, I was voracious, and, and and it had a huge impact on me that it was there.
2: I loved our school library. I was always in my library choosing books, but I do have to give a shout out to the Motu Waiheke Library. It yeah. is um, an absolute. It's it, like those uh, listeners were saying. It is a central p- place for the community. We pick up our rubbish bags there. We sign council documents there. Um, all the kids get to play and and read. And it Isn't is it it great. It's, it's a hub. As I mean, Sue
0: Bradford sort of put it. At, uh uh, put a finger on. I think uh, that libraries. This is free access, free knowledge, mm. and, and, and 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 for that reason, they are taonga.
1: Mm. Yeah, I, I actually once said something um, um, extremely rude on the radio about Doug Myers when he wrote a column for the Herald declaring that libraries weren't a public good and, and it did him did him no, no good if uh, some poor person read a book. And I, When did he say this? I, oh, um, this is way back w- w- in the 90s um, when I was on BFM saying rude right. things about people. Um, but, yeah, I, I was appalled by that. And, and I must say, um, our local library in Point Shev, um, Very it's great cl- that it's where it is, because there's um, a whole lot of um, uh, single-occupant social housing going mm. in right across the road, so that's actually that's really neat. Mm. And a little bit of a shout out to the, uh, the
0: a, a new suburb that I know, the Blockhouse Bay uh, Library, which is right in that little village there. You've got that little roundabout there, so it's right there. So it's a uh, Blockhouse it's Bay the, is quite a town centre. A... <laughs> <laughs> That's another niche story, for Banks, they've got, they've got banks. They've got, they've, got, they've got banks. It surprised me. They actually have banks, that's right, and a post office. Who has post office these exactly. days, <laughs> Russell and Ruth? Wow. Yeah. Uh, 4.30. you're on the panel, International, uh, and Russell Brown and Ruth Money, with me this afternoon. It is time for headlines.